0: well hello everybody it 's good good to be here today i'm glad that you uh, chose the last Sabbath of the year to be here and and uh, worship with us. I see there's many that chose to worship someplace else but but we 're glad that you showed up anyway. We thank you very much you know as you uh, as you look back on the past year two thousand and eleven we had a uh, lots of things happened. Some things were good, and some things were bad. As I was listening to the children's story, I was reminded of one of the children's stories I had last year. And In the story, I handed out M&Ms, and I, and I remember one of the younger members who didn't think they were Too young to be here, but all of a sudden they saw the M and M's. They came scooted up on the platform, so they get theirs. Remember that? (laughs) That was pretty cool. I was glad about that. But you know, as we look back at 2011, like uh, like Dave said, we've got many blessings to be thankful for. But if you're like me, you probably made a few mistakes in 2011. I, I, uh, if you had the power. Are there some things you would change that you did last year? Maybe do differently? I I think uh, there's a few things I have to say that I would change. Uh, You know, God has ordained certain powers or principles in nature. For instance, gravity. If you drop it, it will fall. That works that way every single time. Um, Something heavier than water that doesn't Displace more than waterways will sink if it goes in the water, right? Um, hot will burn you every single time. Molecules in a solid, they tend to keep their shape, but in a liquid, they go wherever they can. And if you don't have anything that holds it in place, contains it, you know, it disperses. You get the picture. In spiritual life, and life in general, just like gravity, oftentimes you get the results of your actions, whether you want them or not. For instance, if you're unfriendly to people, there's a good chance that you probably won't have many friends. Now, that's not anybody's fault. It's just you get what you give. Um... Attitude is not God-given. Attitude is something that you create. Your attitude's created through dynamics, principles, or powers that God has put in place. You're given the tools, and you make what you get. Remember last time I was here, I I showed you a video about Patrick Hughes. Anybody remember that? Did you see that Patrick Hughes was a fellow that, that is blind and crippled but he played in a marching band. If you did not see that um, this afternoon, go on Google and uh, put in Patrick Hughes and you'll get the little video. It's, it's very uplifting. But Patrick Hughes, uh, even though he was blind and he's crippled, he had the best attitude that I have ever seen. It was just an amazing video. And uh, how did he get that attitude? He used the tools that God gave him And the attitude came about by using those tools properly. So let's talk about power. Power or principles that God gives us to create a relationship with Him and with others. The first one, if you'd like to turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, and verse. 14, Matthew six fourteen. This might be a familiar text to you. It says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespassers, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Forgiveness is not for others. It's for you. Now I had a I had a, a a wrong idea at one time about forgiveness. I thought that when somebody did something wrong to me, that if they didn't come to me and ask my forgiveness, I wasn't given it. You know, and it, and many people I think are under that same conception that if someone doesn't ask for your forgiveness, why should you give it? But I want you to look at a few Bible texts that we're going to be in Proverbs. If you turn to the Old Testament. Uh, Proverbs, and turn to chapter 6. Your body actually responds to your actions, but also to your feelings. And those are some of the things we're going to look at as we look up chapter 6 and verse 2. It says, you are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. Now, that's something to think about. Let's turn over to chapter 14 of Proverbs. and verse 30, there it is. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 30. A sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. Yours maybe says something a little different because you got a modern translation, but when you what, what that's saying to me is a, a sound heart is life to the body. If you've got a good heart, if you've got good good feelings in your heart, that's good for your body. But if you're full of envy, it's what rottenness to your bones. I, I think envy is probably one of the things that. Today, you see every place, every place. People that people that don't have as much as they think they deserve are envious of people that do. People that aren't as smart as they think they should be are envious of people that learn easily. People that are... Less good-looking than others are envious of somebody else's good looks. And it goes on and on and on. Envy is something today that you find in almost every walk of life. And it all goes right back to the devil who envied God and wanted his power. So you see where the origin is. Now, let's look at another text. Uh, Chapter 15, Proverbs 15. And also verse 30. <clears throat> the light of the eyes rejoices the heart and a good report makes the bones healthy. Now see, we're talking about, about things that come out of our mouth, good reports, but they actually affect us internally and make our bones healthy according to Scripture. I, I believe that that is really true. Your attitude affects how your body reacts. One more. Uh, chapter 16, verse 24. Proverbs also. Chapter 16, verse 24. And it says, Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, and health to the bones. So I think I've, I've showed you enough text that you can really see attitude affects your body not just the physical things but the internal things the feelings that you have now when we talked about the past you can look at the past but you can't change it what's done is done however you can change the way the past affects you you know what i'm saying if someone does something bad to you you can't you can't um, they can't undo that if You do something bad to someone else, you can't undo that either. But you can undo the way it affects you by forgiving the other party. Forgiveness is a power that God gives you, and it actually helps you rather than the person that's forgiven. I I learned this uh, firsthand. I have to tell you, there was somebody um, in this church that at one time she just made me, I I can't explain it exactly, but when she was around, I just like, you know? you have anybody that ever affects you that way? They just annoy. Annoy would be a good word. And I don't know what Stephanie did to do that to me, but I had really, I just didn't want to be around her. She just, just like chalk on her fingernails on the chalkboard, you know, just got me. And, And I realized that that was not a, a, a good way to feel about another church member. And so I I started praying. Every day I prayed, God, I, I don't know why I feel this way about Stephanie, but please change it, because I can't change it, because when she's by me, I just get that chalk, chalk, on the chalkboard feeling, you know? And so I prayed and prayed and prayed about it. And then you know what happened? One day I realized when Stephanie was by, I didn't have that feeling anymore. And I can't tell you when it went away. And I can't even tell you what it was that she did that got to me because i have forgotten it. But I feel better. I I don't know that she ever had problems with the issue, but I feel better because I forgave her. It's off my back. It's off my back. Um, You know... Excess baggage that we carry (laughs) is like the ball and chain on a convict. (laughs) When you carry all the baggage, you can't move forward like you should. In our spiritual life, it's baggage that holds us back. Think about that. If you're, Paul says uh, that he runs in a race and he wants to win. And he sets aside those things that so easily beset him, those, you know, I think baggage is one of the things he was talking about. Can you imagine trying to run a race with two heavy bags? You're not going to win. You're not going to win. And so God, in the power of forgiveness, he gives you that power to forgive others to help yourself, because then you can focus on things that are more important. That's true in families. That, that's true in workplace, and that's true in churches. And I, I just ask you that if you've got something that you've held against somebody for the last 20 years and all through 2011, or the last five years, or the last year, or the last two weeks, forgive them and release yourself from the baggage. Another power that God has given us is the power of faith. Uh, If you'd like to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, Let's hear someplace. There it is. Hebrews chapter 11. And let's look first at uh, verse 1. This is a text that many people are familiar with. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good Testimony. Um, you don't have to be an elder to have a good testimony if you if you have faith. Uh, in verse, uh, the next verse is uh, verse 6, and it says, this is an interesting one, but without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The power of faith. How many of you think you have some measure of faith? Yeah, well, yeah, you do all those who didn't raise your hand, you do have faith. God says in Romans 12, 3, you look it up, that he's granted to everyone a certain measure of faith. So you have it. It's not like God gave faith to him and didn't give it to her. Uh, God gave faith to you, he didn't give it to me. No, he gave everyone a certain measure of faith because without faith, it's impossible to please him. And so if he didn't give you faith, he'd be predestined you to unpleasing. So, Everybody has some faith. Um, Do you use it? I have to tell you, I I used, and this story is not about me, it's about God, but I used my faith more um, when I was a literature evangelist. It was such a tangible thing. Um, And I have to tell you, Every day when you're going out, and if you have no sales, you have no money. If you have no money, you have no food. You have no food, you lose your car, you lose your house. It's important, and it takes faith to believe that God will lead you to the right people that day so that you can, and it's not all about the sale, but that is a tangible part when you're living by it, you have to have a sale too. So um, I prayed every day that God would lead me to the right people for that day. One day I was, um, it was at night, and it was a snowstorm. And I, I love snowstorms because I know people will be home. And it's hard to catch people home. You find catching people home is almost one of the biggest challenges of somebody who's in sales when you're going door to door. We're not there half of the time, three-fourths of the time. So snowstorm, yes, Lord, I know we're going to be people home. So I'm trudging down this long driveway out by Sherwood. The snowdrifts are peeling alongside my little dots, B210 at that time, and I get up to the house, and it's a big old farmhouse, and they got plastic on the windows, because it's winter, and uh, I knock on the door, and yes, they're there, and yes, they'll let me in. And so I, they had a real beautiful family. The guy was a new Christian, and uh, his wife had been a Christian for a while. The family, it was a blended family, and so they were together, and and I showed them why they needed to have these uh, Bible story books to learn about Jesus. And when I got done, I, I felt... Very sure that you know they needed them. Why wouldn't they get them? So I I asked him, um, "What do you think about this?" He said, "Oh, Mike, they're just they're awesome books, but I'd have to have God give me a sign before I could buy something like this." I said, "Okay, let's pray for one." They bowed their heads. I bowed my head. I said, "Lord, if if you want John and his family to have these Bible story books," give us some kind of sign that we'll know that that's your will. So we opened our eyes, and we're looking at each other, and the lights went off for about 45 seconds, completely. And then they came back on. I said, is that good enough for you? I said, yep, that's good enough for me. <laughs> and so he, But that, that's the way God does things like it. It's just so interesting. I had a, I had a house payment coming up in uh, a week and a half, and it had been a bad month. I hadn't had sales, and I had worked hard, and I put, on, I put on about 60,000 miles a year going to see people to try to sell Bible story books every year. And that's a blessing in itself. I put on half a million miles without an accident, and so thank God for that. And I told you he's helped me through a few scrapes, too, but, but didn't have the accidents. So um, as, I, as I went to this one house, they had these little Bible story cards over, uh, I believe it was a long ways away. I think it was down by Wild Rose. And I prayed that day, too, that God would lead me to the right place. And as I got there, I remembered, oh, I've been here 20 times. Nobody's ever home. So I go, and I see today, there's the house. There's five cars, (laughs) three in the driveway, two on the street. And I was tempted to say, oh, it's a bad time. But I said, Lord, I asked you to send me to the right place today. So I went and knocked on that door. And uh, I knocked on the door, and, and uh, the lady came to the door, and I talked to her one other time. And it was a bad time for us, "Oh, Mike, come on in i 'm having a Tupperware party there's lots of other church people here. they might want to see what you have too and it was it was It was exciting, so that 's the first time I'd ever done a presentation to about eight people at the same time, and I was praying you know. Help me through this, Lord. It's my first time like this, so please help. And so, and we got to the end, and I showed them to them, and uh, I said, "Now, how many of you would like to have this? Do you just want one set, or would you like more than one?" <laughs> and and uh, this lady wanted a set. That lady wanted a set. This lady, I think I had like six or seven sets of Bible story books, which was enough to make my house payment. And I just I just thanked God because. I would have never been able to get all those people together at the right time. I, I would have taken me a week or two. So he did just what I needed at the time that I needed, the power of faith. Use it. God's given you faith. Pray, ask, ask, and you shall receive. Another power um, that we have is the power of the seed. And uh, in Genesis 8.22, it says, As long as the earth remains there'll be seed time and harvest. Always, as long as the earth remains. The problem with the power of the seed is found in uh, Galatians 6. Maybe you'd like to turn over there. I think we should read that. Um, Interesting because uh, this is what we were studying. Um, Galatians all quarter. Now I can't find it. No, there it is. I got it. Uh, Galatians uh, chapter 6. Let's look at verses... 7, 8, and 9. It says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, or woman, that also shall he reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. That's, those are good Good text, but like I said, the problem of the power of the seed is you get what you plant um, you don't You don't plant raspberries and get corn cobs. you know just you get what you plant. I can tell you before I was a Christian, um, I planted an awful lot of bad seeds, <laughs> and when I became a Christian, those problems didn't disappear. I lived with those seeds as they grew up. And uh, it was just something I had to deal with. And once you become a Christian, you're not immune to planting bad seed even then. <laughs> so sometimes, i it's hard to believe it, but sometimes even as you're a Christian, you might lose your temper, you might gossip a little bit, you might say some bad things. Those seeds all grow, unfortunately, and you can't pray them back. Once they're out, there, they're out there. So the power of the seed is... It will grow. Be careful what you're planting. Plant good seeds. Plant seeds of of making people think about God. Plant seeds of love, seeds of caring, seeds of being a good friend. One of the other powers in Scripture is called the power of expectation. You know, our God is greater than we can ever imagine. I know when you see God... um, Do something in your life. You should be just very thankful because God, as huge as he is, and as as much as he takes care of the whole universe, he listens to you when you ask him. He helps you. He really does. It's not that God is, is too small. It's that our vision is... Incorrect. And sometimes, let's be honest with ourselves, sometimes we ask for things that uh, are amiss, as it says in James. Um, God doesn't want every one of you to be millionaires. He doesn't want us to own all the land in the world. Probably because if we were, maybe we'd have less dependence on him. Maybe we'd seek him less. God knows each of us, but he loves us. So sometimes he does what's best, not necessarily what we want, because he loves us that much. A contractor was working for a, a Saudi Arabian king building um, something. I don't know if it was a castle or an addition to his castle or what it was, but, but he was working for him. And the king was really impressed with his integrity and his work ethic. He worked hard. He was there every day. When he said he was going to do something, he did it just like he said, as best as he could, and so when, uh, when he got the job done, the king said to him, um, what would you like me to do for you? He paid him, but then he said, what, what else would you like me to do for you? And uh, the contractor said, well, you don't have to do anything for me. I, you, you, you fulfilled uh, your part of the agreement, and I'm just thankful for that. But if you want to get me something, a little token, he said, I love to golf. Why don't you get me a golf club? So the contractor went back to the U.S., and he's working and doing his other contracting stuff, building things, and he begins to think, you know, I haven't heard from that king. I wonder what kind of golf club I'm going to get. Is it going to be a gold-handled one? Because he knew the king was rich. Is it going to have lots of jewels or rubies on it? What kind of golf club will I get? Then he went back to work, and and a few weeks later, he got a... um, Federal Express package in the mail from the king. And uh, he looked at it and thought, well, that's not big enough for a golf club. Well, maybe he's just telling me where I go to pick it up. He's had one made for me, special. So he opens it up, and he looks, and inside was a letter from the king. And he said he was sorry it took so long, but it was really hard to find a good golf club. Inside was a deed to a 358-acre, 18-hole golf club in Southern California. (laughs) see, the contractor was thinking about a golf club. He wasn't thinking about a golf club. But the contractor had lower expectations than what the king was able to deliver, and sometimes ours are the very same way they are. God can, he owns everything. He can take care of us. He does take care of us. God is able. But let me ask you a question. If you only have a so-so fair life here, but you have eternal life there, is that still okay? Because some of us are just going to have a fair life here. We might struggle every day, but eternal life there is better than rich and lost here. Hebrews 11.6 says that we must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He is able. In 1974 or 75, I'm going back a bit now, I don't know exactly when it was, but a young boy in the Congo saw one of his friends uh, get seriously injured. They did everything they could to try to help him, but the, the young boy died. And uh, the friend died. The young boy told his friends, his other friends, he said, "Someday, when I grew up, I'm going to build a hospital here, so nobody ever has to die because of this again. There was no hospital around." So years went by, and he grew, and he grew, and he grew, seven foot, two inches tall, 260 pounds. He grew. But he's a very smart boy, too. And so he went on to school, and then he went to college. In college, they asked him to try out for a sport he'd never heard of before in the Congo. Um, it was basketball, and he was really good at it. And when he graduated from Georgetown University in 1991, he was drafted by the Denver Nuggets. He finished his career in 2009 with the Houston Rockets, uh, anybody know who that is Tony to <groan> kimby matambo you 're exactly right eight time nBA all star he was one of the best defensive players ever to play in the game so far, um, some of his teammates said they would prefer he didn 't practice because so many of them got bruised up when he was practicing they 'd rather have him bruise the other teams rather than his own um, he um, in 2007, built a 300-bed, $29 million hospital in the Congo. Uh, Fifteen million of it came from himself. The other 15 he raised through a a foundation. Uh, He and his wife, Rose, have six children. Four of them are adopted. They do all kinds of humanitarian projects to this day. You can look them up on the Internet. I found it a fascinating story. He has fulfilled the dream God gave him as a child to build a hospital and to help others. I have to believe that if our goals were to help others only, we might see more heavenly intervention also. But God put that thought in his heart, and uh, it came to pass. One of the other powers that we have um, is the power of prayer, talking to God as a friend. It's a privilege that we have uh, whenever we choose to do it, as we share with God uh, what we need, we share with God um, our disappointments, we share with God our troubles, he listens. Even though he handles the whole universe, he listens to you. Prayer is one of the ways that we're able to correspond with God the... God that created the whole universe. I have a little email. Somebody, I, I, by the way, I, I want to tell you, I appreciate all of these emails everybody sends me. I look at them all, especially the Christian ones, and sometimes you're going to hear them just like you are now. Somebody sent me this email. I found it very good. It's called Praying for Ice Cream. Last week, I took my children to a restaurant. My six-year-old son asked if he could say, Grace. As we bowed our heads, he said, God is good, God is great. Thank you for the food, and I would thank you even more if Mom gets us ice cream for dessert. And liberty and justice for all. Amen. Um, Along with the laughter from the other customers nearby, I heard a woman remark, that's what's wrong with this country. Kids today don't even know how to pray. Asking God for ice cream, why, I never Hearing this, my son burst into tears and asked me, Did I do it wrong, Mom? Is God mad at me? As I held him and assured him that he had done a terrific job and God was certainly not mad at him, an elderly gentleman approached the table. He winked at my son and said, I happen to know that God thought that was a really great prayer. Really, my son asked. The man replied, Cross my heart. Then in a theatrical whisper, he added, indicating the woman whose remark had started this whole thing, too bad she never asked God for ice cream. A little ice cream is good for the soul sometimes. <laughs> Naturally, I bought my kids the ice cream at the end of the meal. My son stared at his for a moment, then did something I will remember the rest of my life. He picked up his sundae, and without a word, walked over and placed it in front of the woman. With a big smile, he told her, Here, this is for you. Ice cream is good for the soul sometimes, and my soul is good already. <laughs> Isn't it awesome. Well, prayer—the power of prayer—that's another power that we have, that God gives us, to communicate. And a prayer like this, even though it's simple and maybe not totally what you would pray, is a way to witness to others. God uses the power of prayer. He does. I uh, when I became an uh, uh, an insurance agent many years ago and I, I worked for Century Insurance. We would go to um, meals and I would uh, ask blessing on my food like I always did. I did silently but I bowed my my uh, head like that and uh, one time somebody said "He started talking to me while I was praying. I said, excuse me, just a minute, I got to talk to the boss and uh, and after that, whenever it had me at a table, they must have told people, because they always were quiet and let me pray, and then they went on business as usual. It was kind of, that's just a little way, that something that you can do that can help others know there is a God in heaven, and you're talking to him. Um, the power of hope. This is the, this is the last uh, power I'm going to discuss, but it, in June 10th, 1991, an 11-year-old girl was kidnapped from a school bus stop. Remember hearing about this in 2011? Um, She was kept prisoner and abused repeatedly for 18 years. Remember the story? They found her. She was asked recently what kept her going, what kept her sanity all those years in captivity. She said she focused on the good things. She had plants to take care of, and she had two children by her abuser-abductor. She thought about the good, and she never gave up hope that she could be rescued. 18 years. We're much like her in many ways. Um, We've also been taken from our Heavenly Father, captured by sin the same way. And evil happens to us every day on this earth too. The devil is relentless. He will not give up. Just like J.C., we're abused by the father of lies almost every single day. We know where our real father lives, but we can't get there. until we're rescued from this backyard prison, earth, that we live in today. We can have a good attitude. We can look at the blessings that God has given us, or we can look at all the bad things that happen to us every single day. The baggage. <laughs> uh, it's our choice. If we focus on the bad, ultimately what happens is people lose hope. And if you lose your hope you're ultimately going to lose heaven because it's only hope that keeps you going day after day. Hope that you'll be rescued just like she was. Um, We're not abused as badly as she was day after day, but if she could keep her hope, certainly we can keep ours also. We won't lose heaven because God hasn't made provisions for us to be there. We would lose heaven because we haven't used the powers he's given us to deal with things. Forgiveness, prayer, expectation, all the gifts. They're actually gifts that he gives us to help us deal with our captivity here on earth. Because if we choose to look only at our problems, we will lose hope. We will be lost. Sometimes it's just easier to give in. And you know the devil tempts you with that every single day. Easier just to give in. We can't all be like Moses. We can't all even be basketball stars. (laughs) We can't all be beautiful or handsome. But we can all share God's love like the little boy shared his ice cream. Like the little maid who witnessed to Naaman. Like the little boy who shared his lunch with Jesus and 5,000 others. Like the widow who shared her two mites, God has a place for each of us to live with him and to tell others of his great power and love. He's given you the tools, the dynamics, and the power. And someday you too will be be released to a wonderful reunion with our Heavenly Father and Christ who became our brother and all our loved ones who are there ahead of us. will meet together. How will you use the power God has given you? That's the question. Tomorrow starts a new year. You've got a fresh start, a do-over. Use these simple powers that God gave to help us be stronger, to love more, to be forgiving, to dump that baggage you've been carrying around for years. It's a do-over. Let's bow our heads. Dear Father in heaven, we are thankful that you brought us through another year. And Lord, we're extremely thankful for a fresh start for 2012. We pray, Lord, you help us to be forgiving, help us to be loving, help us to dump the baggage that uh, will make our life easier without it. We pray that you'll help us to tell someone else about your love this year. And we ask all these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.